Good morning and welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Today's my esteemed pleasure to have on actress Laura Cayuette. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the Lifebox Media Channel. I really appreciate it. You know, you know, I love talking about careers, you know, and, and you have this really cool movie coming up um, one month out. I'd like to talk a little bit about it. Great. Now, but what, what got the acting bug in you at first? You know, kind of what's what was really got you, you know, started to getting in entertainment? Oh, Lord. This, I know this is supposed to be one of the easy ones. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a, a sort of a strange story. My story isn't common. I've only ever seen one other person who has my story, and it's Renee Russo. Um, <laughs> I was minding my own business, doing my own life. Um, I had no interest in being an actor. I wasn't uh, drawn to that career. Didn't even actually understand that it was a job people got money for. So, um, you know, it wasn't on my mind. And I was uh, I was running a, a dress shop and teaching college and modeling. And I was getting ready to start my doctorate and become a professor and an author. And so I had a, re- a relatively regular life and I was coming back from a modeling job in New York uh, and I was on the train and I was you know I've, I've made that commute fairly frequently so I, I you know was just watching the world pass by out the window you right. know the train going down the tracks clack 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 you know <laughs> and uh, and I <laughs> I usually like to see people's eyes when I say this part I um I heard a voice and the voice said, you're supposed to be an actor. And I don't know if that voice was my subconscious, my inner self, my guardian angels, uh, my creator. I, I have no idea. All I know is I wasn't in the habit of hearing voices. <laughs> so I thought I'd, I'd better pay attention. And, uh, so and it, and it is true that Rene Russo apparently had the exact same story and and the voice said the exact same words in the exact same order. So I don't know what that's about. I've never even met her, but I I think that's strange that we both have that story. I think it's strange for me to have that story. I think it's a strange story. Yeah, but it's a strange you, story, but it is the truth. Yeah, <laughs> but it's unique to you, and that's you know, and Renee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe a few others, yeah, and maybe yeah. it only happens to the ones that were models. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to start taking a survey on that one and make it on my checkoff box. <laughs> you know, and, you know, Laura and I were talking about this the other day. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, I'm not sure, but it, that's the truth, and I'm sticking to it. Is there anybody that you uh, really looked up to as a kid, as far as acting is concerned, just as a you were a fan? Oh, I always loved the movies. Oh my gosh, I was and television, but I really was such a movie fan. And um, I grew up just couldn't get enough of Shirley MacLaine. Still to this day, think she's a oh, national yeah, a treasure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm also a huge fan of Maggie Smith and Cecily Tyson. Those are all people that growing up I just thought were wow, you know. Um, and Marlon Brando. Uh, I think that's not a very out of left field choice, I think it's pretty much the standard. But um, but yeah, he was somebody else who I just couldn't ignore his ability to do something rare with acting. Now, Burt Reynolds told me that he thought he was the greatest actor of our time. Sure. Well, he's the father of the method, as we understand it in America. Yes, I mean you know now, and and then to bring that forward is 
you've done so much. I mean, from you know, like Fantasy Island series and Nash Bridges, and you know, and, and drag and and shows like that, which is really cool. Cool to doing something like Kill Bill, which is really uh, yeah. You know, what was it like doing a you know a movie like that? You know, with some iconic actors in it and everything else. Well, I'll be honest with you. My first movie was the sequel to Terms of Endearment. So my very first movie, I was acting with Shirley MacLaine. That, and, and that's crazy by itself. Yeah, and Juliette Lewis, who had just been nominated for Cape Fear. And, I mean, Miranda Richardson, that, that scene got cut, but my Miranda Richardson was nominated against herself that year for an Academy Award. So she was nominated for two different Academy Awards that year. So I, that was my first day of work, you know? So so I was well-seasoned by that. Yeah, and my second job was um, uh, Larry Sanders, I think, was my next job, which was, you know, me and David Duchovny. And, you know, I mean, it was uh, Gary Shandling, obviously. And, you know, it was... I, I just started... I, I just got thrown in the deep end of the pool right away. And and my my third TV show was Friends at the height of its popularity when Ra- Rachel and Ross had just gone through their breakup. And and my next movies were like Enemy of the State with the cast of billions. And, you know, so I just am sort of used to that. By the time I got to Kill Bill, it was it was what I do. It was what I'm known for is being the nobody at the table. <laughs> Why do I know it's that true. Job? I it's know true. That job. I'm the I one job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm the one that can go toe to toe with anybody without you having to hire a recognizable name for that part. Right. Right. And, and, and that's great though. That speaks a lot of you speaks volumes of you in one way because you know, everybody has to have a position. I like there to and, think so. And then, and, and it gets accelerated, you know, I mean, from there, um, so yeah. people don't realize sometimes how much you can be carrying the other person too. Well, I think whenever you work with people who are, you know, the very best of whatever their industry is, that it elevates your work. It, yes. it, you're obviously going to strive in a way that, um, you know, tests you. And, and I, I, I think that having, the career I've had has sort of shaped me into, I am not easily intimidated. Right. Yeah. And so that comes in handy if you are walking, you know, onto the set of say Django Unchained, where I'm at that dining table with, you know, half a dozen Academy Award winners and nominees, BAFTA, Golden Globes, whatever. Right. All the rest of the yeah. brass that comes in the hardware that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just statues to the left of me, statues to the right. I, you know. And there you so. are. <laughs> and there I am. Once I love again. That. I think there's a song somewhere in that, you know. Stuck <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, now just uh, real quick, um, do you have somebody that really stood out that was like, oh my gosh, one of your favorites that you said that was just kind of kick ass that you worked with them and, and they were everything you thought more. Well, the person that I, I guess I, I mean, Shirley MacLaine is by far the, the person that when I worked with her, it, it kind of set me on a path as an actor because my first, you know, that was my first film and she, she stole my scene right out from under me, all of us. I mean, there was a bunch of us in that scene. She stole that scene right out from all of under us, uh, under all of us with 
no dialogue. She had no lines in that scene. She did not have one word to say in that scene. And she stole the entire, entire scene. And all that's left of all of my week or two of shooting is I say, bye. And then you cut to Shirley having no lines and stealing the scene out from all of under, you know, and so I, I learned from that moment of the first thing I learned is that you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to take a scene you have no lines in and just take it, just steal it, just make it your own. Right. And I didn't know that. I didn't know you had permission to <laughs> grab screen time when you had no lines, but that helped shape my understanding of what acting was and how, and I've never counted lines as a result of that. I've never cared how many lines I've had and I've never thought it was a measure of how good a role could be. And so that was a huge, huge impact for me. But I, I have to say that throughout my career, I, you know, I'm a theater trained actor and I'm, you know, when you are working with theater trained actors, you are, you get swept up. You can get swept up in the moment because it's all live. Yes. But in TV and film, it's not like that. It's not live. So it's not, you know, there's. 200 people standing around and, and, uh, there's machinery everywhere (laughs) and, uh, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. So it's very rare that you would get caught up in a moment. But when I was working with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, we were at the dining table and he just, he just went on this, he was, I don't know, he just... He swept me away so much that at some point I could hear Quentin's voice break through it all, yelling, Laura, Laura, you going to say your line? And I was like, oh, right, I'm in this movie. This is a movie. You know, like, and I had to snap out of it because I was just sitting there watching him like I had popcorn on my lap. Nice. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It was it was great. He really he really is. I I mean I I feel like I get to say with some authority since I have worked with everybody from you know Gene Hackman and Will Smith to you know I mean, I've really been very privileged to people I've worked with. Right. So um, I really can say with some authority that he is the finest living male actor. I mean he really is just he's it. That's you know and and, I, and I'm I'm gonna, I'm ashamed to say this. And I'm a huge fan of his. I didn't see it at first, so all of a sudden, oh, when he... I saw it from the very beginning. Oh, I didn't see it on Family Ties. Family. I mean, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't watch Family Ties back then. Everybody but, uh, I've I... ever seen. Everybody I've ever seen. Almost everybody I can see. Man, Clooney. I saw it in Clooney back when he was on Give Me a Break. I all these guys. Sure. I just didn't see it in Leo, and then all of a sudden he took off, and I was like, "This guy." Well, did really... you see This Boy's Life? Which was his first film? I did not. The first thing I ever saw him in was uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, no. You're so late to the game. No wonder you didn't know. (laughs) Okay, well, then I'll tell you why it was so obvious to the rest of us. (laughs) um, I saw, first of all, I worked at the agency where he was signed um, when he was a teenager. So when he was 16, you know, I had a summer job at this agency, and I, we used to, you know, when he would come in, he would sit in the lobby and we'd hang out until his appointment. And so he and his father. So I knew him as a teenager and that really helped me have him be my younger brother in Django, you know, it really helped right. me to have a, 
a, a memory of him as a kid. Um, but during that time, he did this movie called This Boy's Life with Ellen um, Barkin and Robert De Niro. And frankly, he acted circles around them. It was crazy. I just was like, what am I watching? Wow. And then he did Gilbert Grape. And I'm sorry, but what's eating Gilbert Grape is, it's a tour de force. If you haven't seen that performance, it's it's mind boggling. He was, I think, well, he was still a teenager and he got nominated for that. Right. And so it was already written on the wall by then. Gilbert Grape is just, it's a masterwork. And he was a kid, you know? So, yeah, I thought it was pretty obvious. By the time Catch Me If You Can comes around, I thought that was like the second wind of his career. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Gilbert Grape, I think it kind of got lost in the, you know, when you're working so much, it just kind of was one of those movies that got past me and not many did. So I, oh, I appreciate I that. Now, now I got two movies I got to go back and look at. Now, Oh, it's such a good movie. And oh. everybody in it is so good. John C. Riley is so good. Juliette Lewis is so good. It's such a good movie. So I love that. I love that. That's, that's awesome. And, and thank you for sharing the story of that part, too, because people don't realize, you know, that. And, and, and Leo, for all intents and purposes, I've met him a couple times in recent times, you know, is, is, is a pretty nice guy. You know, he's not... Oh, a, no, he's a really know, nice guy. He's he's not a... He's not a... You know, he's, he's just a pretty cool guy. How you doing, man? How are you? You know, and, and that's and it's really cool. I dig that part of it. Now, you have been working through all these things. Now you got this new movie coming out. I mean, yes. uh, you know, one month out. And you and I talked about this last night, and you're one of the few people that I, I've talked to prior to doing the interview. And and you had me on the floor last night. We were laughing so hard, so it was, it was such a pleasure, <laughs> such a pleasure to talk to and you. Know, and we have so many people in common and stuff, and it was great. You know, you said that you know six degrees of Kevin Bacon was like you know one and a half or two with you and I. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I mean, so a little bit about this movie. I mean, because I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I watched the trailer. And and it has a great cast. I mean, uh, you know, it is something that I think it has love and caring and, and, and a great story, but yet it has deception. Um, and, you know, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that kind of, but it hits real life, you know, because it's, uh, you know, a wealthy elder, elderly man has, you know, signs of uh, Alzheimer's disease and, you know, kind of, Falls for a geriatric nurse is, is what IMDb says. But I mean, you know, and, you know, it, it kind of has, seems like it has a lot of twists and turns without giving too much away. And I haven't even seen it. But, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your part in this as Helen. Well, it's actually Helen's story. So that's exciting. I've never gotten to be the person who's in the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie, you know, like, it's not usually, not usually my story, it's usually, you know, my, my career has been made up of either supporting other people's stories, or, or literally popping in for a moment, and, and then popping out, and hoping to leave a little unforgettable impression there. Well, you get but, the steak, uh, the potatoes, the appetizer, the dinner, and the dessert. <laughs> I am, I am definitely, I mean, certainly, I am, uh, you know, the main course, I, my Absolutely. character's story is, is the story. So, uh, you know, it's Barry and I's movie, Barry Boswick. Um, and Ruth Buzzy is also, a, oh. you, you mentioned the cast. She, oh. I mean, what an honor, oh, what an gosh. honor. So, um, There's another big yeah. gun right there. Ruth Buzzy. I mean, she's legendary. And, and I, and I, I heard this yeah. and we talked about, I was like, Ruth Buzzy, are you kidding me? You know, it, was it just awesome just being on the set with her? 
I, I honestly never saw that coming. It's like when I got to work with Dick Van Dyke. There are a few people that I just never in my life thought I would get to work with. And, <laughs> and partly because of the type of career I've had, I've done a lot of, Quentin used to tease me. He's like, why don't you do more movies? You're always doing films. You know? so, and it's true. I had sort of a snotty <laughs> resume when I was starting out. And, uh, and it didn't leave much room for you know, meeting some of the more interesting people who, who have had careers in this industry. So, you know, I've been watching Dick Van Dyke since before Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know. Right, like, right, I mean, right, 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 me too. That's an too. icon in my mind. And, and Ruth Buzzy is indelibly a part of my childhood. I mean, I that show, Laugh-In, was such a huge hit as I was a kid. And and back then, we only had like six shows to watch. Right, you know? right. Yeah, right, it was like right, Sonny right. and Cher, Flip Wilson. You know, like it wasn't that much to choose from. Hey, when you're but it was all like great. We are, when you're 35, like we are, it happens like that. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that was a real honor. And frankly, Barry Boswick as well. You know, there was a day we were on the set where John Schneider was directing us, and uh, John said to Barry. Barry, could you jump a little to the left? And and he did. He stepped to the left. And then I looked at him and I said, oh, come on. Oh, come on. And then he looked at me like he was confused. And then it hit him and he goes, and then I stepped to the right. <laughs> and we did the whole dance. We did oh, the no whole way. dance. Are you kidding? I got to dance the time warp. That yes. is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> That is incredible. That's just that, that, yeah. that, that was worth the price of admission by itself. I mean, yes, you know, yes. That so. is fantastic. Yeah, and, and you know, and Barry, I think, which is a very underrated actor. You know, I I think as much as he's respected, I th I think that he's that much better than that. You know. Well, and I I think the longevity um, speaks to that. I mean, yes. you know, you don't usually get to work your whole life unless you're good. Right. Yeah. That's that's very true. So, I, mean, I just I just I just think that you know I think that you know sometimes that you know he should be I I think that sometimes they should showcase him a little, little bit more as in now, you know as in well now. and and that's what this movie does. This movie is you know it's it like I said it's his story and it's my story. So you know we are the couple who this movie is about, and uh, so he's in you know it's it's his it's his story as well. It's a, a right. great role for him because he is playing an Alzheimer's patient who, you know, has to go through various degrees of decay and clarity. And, uh, yeah, it's not an easy role he played. No, not at all. And I, I can't wait to see it. And, and, of course, John Schneider. And I love John Schneider uh, in some serious roles. You know, so I love seeing him. I think he's an attorney, right? Yes, he is. And, fun factoid, his brother is also in the movie. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know yes, that. Yes, and does a bang-up job. He's terrific. I didn't know that. I'm having John on later. I'm going to have to bring that up. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, you know, as, as in terms of affecting you that you look into this, did you do a lot of study and a lot of work to, uh, to see how, you know, Alzheimer's people are and, you know, when the condition hits to a certain point and everything else? Did you do a lot of uh, research in, you know, doing the movie? Well, I would love to tell you that I had months to work on this, and that gave me the time to uh, visit uh, 
homes and meet with people and all, but I would be lying. The truth is I got this part three days before I started shooting. So I was too busy memorizing lines to uh, do a whole lot of running around to nursing homes. But I, I did, you know, I did online study and I have, um, I don't have Alzheimer's in my immediate family, but uh, a family member that we, it was my grandmother's best friend since childhood. Her husband had Alzheimer's and, and, you know, I watched that occur. I watched that unravel over the years. And, and um, so I had some familiarity with it uh, in addition to the online research I did. But no, I, I didn't get to do what I would, would have loved to have done, which would be to spend more time exploring that area. However, my character in the movie is also just coming to this fresh. You know, she's just learning it as she goes as well. So it, it was fine. Well, you know, and, and at times, I, I guess that to be real about that is unless it's affected you or unless you've been right there, and even if it has to other people, sometimes people don't see it until it's right in front of them. So to be true to your character, you know, and, and I don't like that word character, but to be true to your part, it is, uh, you know, you kind of came in legitimately how you were. Well, and, and like I said, I did, I did have some familiarity and some right. study, but I, you know, I just, it wasn't, the timing wouldn't have allowed for me to, to really explore the disease and the repercussions for a family and what it does to those around you, et cetera. Right. And you're also focused on, you also have outside people coming in to try to infiltrate what's going on in, 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 in your, in, uh, Red's world, which is played by Barry, you know, and everything else. So, what was it like to have to be the defender? And you know, you're kind of defending it at all circles there. Well, now the the I role I play, I mean, it's it's not it's my role is a little. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it for granted that that she is always the defender. We don't know ah. throughout. Yeah, throughout some of the movie, it's unclear as to whether or not she's... So in other words, you could be a witch, too. Well, it's it's unclear as to whether or not my character <laughs> is looking forward to inheriting or looking forward to being rid of this man for whatever reason. Uh, so, yeah, there's some there's some wiggle room there. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I like the way that you, you know, that I like, I like the way you kind of fit that in. Um, now, now, I think Barry's wealthy in this, right? Yes. So that's the okay. That's the idea. Oh well, look at you. Maybe, maybe you know, she's doing a little the medicine in there too. I don't know. Everybody's well, gonna have to watch and find out. Yes, and the and the wealth. Um, that's another thing that's a little slippery slidey because the wealth itself doesn't stay nailed down either. But uh, actually, the, one of my favorite things about this script when I read it is that nothing stays where it was put. You know, everything sort of slips and slides around, and so you're never really sure what's what's everybody's up to <laughs> until see, I, the I end. I dig that. I dig that, you know, and I can see I can see why, you know, this is important. I think John Schneider wrote this, right? Oh, yes. You know, so, and I'm going to have to, I want to make sure of that, but yeah, John Schneider wrote this. So it's, it's great because it sounds, you know, from just watching the trailer, you know, it looks intriguing and everything else, but um, talking about it has kind of, a, you know, with you and I having some conversation about it, and I know a little bit more, but I haven't seen it myself. So it really does make me intrigued to want to see it because now I want to see if 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 we just have you know Brandy coming in here and uh, uh, Brandy Roderick coming in here, you know, to try to you know steal a spot, or or if it's you or both, or you know, now I don't know what's going on. Now you really got me confused. <laughs> well, and much like 
you know, real life, um, there's no clear line that this is a good person and this is a bad person. You know, right. uh, even even Red's best friend, it, who's you know a man of a certain age, he's kind of a sexist pig, you know. <laughs> but he's also he's also the best friend and a and a, a loving, um, what like a a good friend to the wife character, my character as well. So you know. Everybody, every person on this planet is complicated. We are all various levels of good and bad doing various levels of good and bad things. You know, I could be a tremendously wonderful person who does a terrible thing, or I could be a terrible person who does it. You know, people forget Harvey Weinstein dedicated more money to women's causes than any other American. (laughs) So you can be the devil and also do good things. Right. So... Yeah, so that this movie is more like life in that way. Is it's not, you know, black and white and cut and dry, and you know, this is simple to figure out that this person's a good person, this person's a bad person. Every single person in this movie has some behaviors that make you go, hmm, <laughs> and some behaviors that make you go, oh wow, that was really amazing. So you know, it's 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 messy like life. Right, and and in real life, I mean, you know, sometimes. Money makes nicest people do the stupidest things or whatever. So, I mean, that also feeds into that as well. And, you know, in sickness or opportunity, opportunity sometimes makes good people do really dumb things. So it, it really does have a, uh, you know, an intricate part that now it's got my attention. So now I got to see it, you know. And- well, it's something I like about all of John's scripts. You know, I've, I've been in, I think, four movies with John and three of them were movies he wrote. And, uh, I find that in all of his films, they're, they're, the characters are very complicated and, um, you know, they're fun to play as actors because right. of that. They're not, they're not ideas of people, they're people. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, challenging yourself, stretching your acting chops, if you will, now I sound old. Uh, but I mean, you know, but that's that has to be that has to be fun to you to whether you you know, and even right now, you know, you kind of give that tease what you're supposed to do to say, you know, well, I you know, am I a saint? Am I a witch? Am I somewhere in between? Or I don't know, or you know, so you know what? I I'm gonna go ahead and give credit to Hollywood's uh, <laughs> incredible history of sexism for <laughs> how I got this skill because. A lot of parts, especially when I was starting out, a lot of the parts that I would audition for and get were roles for women who we dismiss as, you know, a tart or a, a, you know, whatever. And, and I would try to bring dignity to those women and, and depth and reason and, you know, uh, motivation. And I would try to turn them into humans instead of these paper dolls that were supposed to fulfill some, you know, little storyline and, and doing that, I, you know, with smaller parts, it, it really uh, strengthened my muscles of not seeing characters as cardboard cutouts of ideas and instead seeing them as full flesh and blood humans. Um, So, you know, whether it's the part of the stripper in Kill Bill or, uh, you know, when I'm in 
martial law and I'm playing a murderer or, you know, serial killer. I've played two serial killers. I love Hitman. that. We're going to have a conversation so, about that another day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whenever I get to play those roles, I, I've been able to bring, you know, like in For Love of the Game, the Kevin Costner movie, that that was a role that originally was written um her, her name was Debbie the Masseuse, and it, she was described as tanned and blonde Floridian. And so I'm clearly not what they had in mind when it was written. But um, Sam thought, well, what if, you know, what if, what if Kevin were cheating on Kelly Preston with a girl that looks just like Kelly Preston? Right. What, what does that do? <laughs> what does that do to the story? <laughs> and so I tried to bring up the differences between the two of us of that like I'm the good time girl but I'm still a, a full flesh and blood woman I'm not just some you know shadow version of the Kelly character so so yeah you know my whole career has been made up of trying to fill in these roles that are written so flat for these sort of stereotypes of women who are loose and wear underwear a lot, you know? So. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, we're keeping you off of Maury and Jerry Springer, you know? <laughs> right. Well, but you know what I'm saying is like, there wasn't a whole lot on the paper, on the page. There wasn't right. a whole lot to most of those roles. And you and, and I, to it. Well, and I think that's why I got those roles, right. but I, I also think it's something that as that's shifting not just in our industry, but also for me personally, where I'm getting to play more interesting roles as I age, um, you know, that, that, that was all very good practice for me. That was all very good. You know, that was very strengthening for me right? But, but to so you, bring something to nothing. Yeah. And, and that is important. And it also shows your, you know, your acting ability and your acting chops as well, because, you know, sometimes somebody walks on and it completely takes a different idea of things. Look, you're going to have certain parts, whether it be on the guy's side of it is, not throw the guy under the right. bus, you know, uh, you know, under the bus and sit there saying, well, the guy's coming in there and he's eye candy to the, to the, to the girl or vice versa. Look, reality is reality. These things happen. But, you know, somebody says, wow, you know but what? they happen between people. They don't happen between cardboard cutouts. Right. And in movies, yes. they happen between cardboard cutouts. And that's unfortunate. Right, and, and that's the thing, so, but somebody else can also, with the way you do it, though, somebody can see you down the road, and I think that's a great idea, too, is saying, you know what, I'd like to have her as the part she's playing now, or I'd like to have her as, as playing something else, I, you know, and I think that also brings to your dimension that, you know, it wasn't a one, you're not a one-dimensional actress, and, and I think, well, I could think so. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, and, and no, I mean that. I mean, you're not a one dimensional actress. And I think the idea of it is, is that you bring it to no matter what the part is, it gives them an idea that down the road, you know, we catch up again. And here you are at certain times, you've caught up with people in different times of your life and then revisit it again. You know, I mean, and that's really cool to do so. Now, what do you have coming up? I know, obviously, I mean, you know, and, you know, one month out is, is matter of fact, you guys can go check it out. Uh, March the 12th, it's going to be out on Cineflex, DOD, and uh, where, what else do you have coming up? Well, I, I'm working right now on a documentary that, uh, it's my first time shooting a documentary, and um, we, are, we are, I'd say about a third of the way through shooting that, and so that's kind of exciting for me. It's a, it's a piece about the French Quarter and I can't really talk about it yet because it's still so much in the beginning. But, okay. um, 
but uh, I also, I, I'm an author, and I have written seven books, and one of my books, six of them are fiction books, and then one is a nonfiction book on acting called No Small Parts, An Actor's Guide to Turning Minutes into Moments and Moments into a Career, and that's No Small Parts spelled K-N-O-W, so... Um, <laughs> and, and this has been touted by, and I'm interrupting you, forgive me for interrupting, this has been touted by people like Kevin Costner. So, I mean, you know, I wanted to yes. bring this up because that's crazy when yes. somebody... and Lou that's Diamond statue, Phillips and Reginald Hudlin and Adam Rifkin and, yeah, yes. no, it's a very long list of fans and uh, of the book and um, and Richard Dreyfus wrote my foreword. So, awesome. uh, so I'm very proud of the book and I just released a second edition in the fall and the second edition has 70 new pages um, that include a new chapter on... Um, I've, I've now got a thing in there about uh, conventions, uh, you know, signing conventions, Comic-Con yes. type thing. Um, I have a whole chapter on self-taping because that's now become, you know, how we do it uh, for auditions. So there's a whole new chapter on self-taping, uh, which I do think is here to stay long after the pandemic goes away. Can I address and you? And then I have a... Oh, go ahead. You go for it. Please go ahead. Oh, and I have a—I added another chapter on Me Too uh, issues, like what to do if you witness something, or if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, I'm dealing with a problem," or if or if something happens to you. Uh, so, uh, because that actually, because uh, assault issues happen to 94% of the women in our union, uh, and several, of course, men and children. I feel like that should be in every acting book, and right now it's only in my acting book. That's the only acting book I, I that love, has anything I love that. It. I love that. Congratulations on, on 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 stepping forward and being a forefront of that. And and I, I'm I'm proud to proud to say that you know you brought that up on the show, and thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I do have a question because because you know you know you remember when they laughed at us when everybody would come out and say hey look well, we you know some companies were going to go do videotapes in the 80s and 90s and we'll send them over to you and see what you think and all of a sudden you know they're getting thrown out the window by the dozens from the casting directors and now it is such a reality that all yeah. my acting friends are, are all sitting there saying well I had to shoot this and send it over I had to zoom this and I'm so glad yep. you addressed that because that is I think that's primo to do right now. So, and I agree with you. I think it's going to stay, but you do remember the time when those VHS tapes were being thrown out the window, right? <laughs> well, not only that, but like you couldn't, you couldn't get people to even have a conversation with you about auditioning from out of town. Right. I mean, you would be able to say, you know, there are airplanes from here to you that take two hours, you know? Like, so if I were to get the part, I'm two hours from you. <clears throat> And they just couldn't wrap their brains around that. And, you know, of course, they, they would do something like that for a person that doesn't need to audition. You know, right. like Tom Cruise doesn't have to argue with a case of you could hire me in New York to play something in L.A. Right. But, um, but, you know, for those of us who are not Tom Cruise, uh, that was an ongoing argument of like, why do I have to be in Atlanta <laughs> to show you what I do? I've been doing what I do for decades. There's right. not a recording of what I do. You can't figure out what I do. Yeah, so, you can't watch my movie. Yeah. You can't. No, no, no. I can't send you that videotape. No, absolutely not. That's why I think it's yeah. funny because you know it's just, uh, just now that's just exactly the way it is, and I'm so glad that you address it because I think so many people are kind of shocked 
and aren't going to know how to address the camera that way. And uh, I think you, you'll a lot of people will benefit by, you know, checking this out. I haven't read it yet, but I mean, you addressing it and, you, and your reputation and, you know, and, and your professionalism, I know that, you know, you addressed it well, I'm sure. And that's something. Well, that... I, I don't just talk about the technical aspects, although that is important. But um, in addition to the technical aspects, the biggest thing that I think we've had to make an adjustment to as actors is not having to be our own casting people and our own lighting people and our own editors and our own, I mean, good yes. Lord, the, li the list is ridiculous of how many jobs we have to do now. Yes. But the biggest problem is to be our own director. I like that. I mean, yeah, I like yeah that. because normally you have a casting director saying, oh, can you pull it back? Or, hey, can you emphasize this? Or, oh, they really want to see you do this. or whatever. That casting director is no longer in the room with us. And, and if you were at a callback, you would have the actual director redirecting right. you and saying, you know, could you try it this way or that way? We don't have that anymore. So in order to substitute for that, we have to learn how to direct ourselves and learn to give ourselves good adjustments. And that's tricky stuff. So I wanted to make sure people had a reference for that as well. I love that. You know, I, I think some of the things are untaught. Uh, that have fallen over time. It was like the old adages of like, don't eat before you go into an audition and things like that back in the day. You know, you don't want to look this way. You don't want to look that way. And I think a lot of those simple tips have kind of been lost by the wayside, don't you? Well, I do know that I. it's been a long time since I've been a beginner. So I don't know necessarily what gets passed around between beginners anymore. I just, I just, I just, just, I didn't, you know, just sometimes watching some things or hearing some things and, you know, and you, oh my gosh, people just had a huge breakfast before they walked in to start taping. <laughs> I actually, I, I will tell you that I have never heard the one about not eating. I, 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 I have hypoglycemia, so I eat when I need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different little things, you know, here and there, you know. But I do know don't wear black, red, or white on camera for an audition because, you know, they all have a problem. Red right. turns into God knows how many colors. <laughs> white makes your white makes your teeth and eye whites look yellow. And black takes all the curves out. So if you are trying to show how shapely you are or how buff you are or whatever, you can't see anything in a black t-shirt. Right. So so those I've I've always known. But you know, there are other there are some standard rules that still hold, but it's funny that they've made up these new rules of like, now when we self-tape, we're supposed to self-tape against a baby blue or a vibrant blue or a gray background. I'm sorry. I've been at a thousand casting offices. Where were your baby blue and gray walls? Because I taped on white walls a thousand times. Yep. Yeah. Me too. 10,000 times. Me too. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I, but now yeah. suddenly I'm supposed to find a gray wall, you know? So. Good, good luck with yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not fair. It's definitely not fair. The whole thing is not fair of having to take on all these new hats and jobs and, you know, figure it all out for ourselves. That said, it does give you the kind of control that I think a lot of actors have always dreamed of. I, I love that. And I love the fact that you're kind of giving back in that way. I mean, you know, that is really a big deal. And to have the respect of your peers to say so, you know, and the Richard Dreyfuss and the Kevin Costners and people like that, I think that's really cool because, you know, you have the experience you bring to the table, you have the respect you bring to the table, and you have the ability and talent. So, you know, congratulations on that. I think that's really Thank cool. You. I love the fact that you got this, you know, this role in month, one month out. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, you know, legitimately, like I said, you know, talking about it, I just want to see how everything goes in this. 
and it, and it has my attention. So I and I hope you come back on uh, after it comes out so we can talk about it and, sure. and talk about other things that are coming up. Now, where can everybody find you on social media? Well, I have a website, lauracayouette.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter is no small parts with K-N-O-W. And, uh, and then my Facebook is Laura Cayouette. I think it's Laura Cayouette Public or something like that. But in any case, um, yeah, so you can find me out there. And, uh, and I actually am very proud of my website. I like my website. And you can poke around and find a lot of things there because I have everything from, from you know, my whole library of books um, to... Uh, photos from throughout my career like really oldie but goodie throwback thursday type photos of my whole career and uh and some of my modeling career and all that some really fun 80s modeling pictures and and there are little fun factoids and trivia things throughout and and uh you know i i put a lot of i put a lot of effort into that website i'm very pleased with it so awesome now i'm gonna three quick questions one past tense someone not here you could act with Male, who would it be? Well, Marlon Brando. Nice. Female. Who's not here? Yes, ma'am. Oh, no. I would have to kill off Maggie Smith or Shirley McLean. <laughs> and I've already worked for Shirley, so I guess I'd have to kill off Maggie so that I could bring her back to life and work with her. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're going to have somebody here in a minute, so you got to give me somebody already gone. Oh, I, 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 honestly, those are the, those are the people I've longed to work with my whole life. I, I hadn't, I haven't longed to, well, Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball. Take okay, back, okay, there you go. That was a great save. Lucille Ball. That was a big Doug Flutie pass right there, man. She got the hell yeah. Mary. No, um, that, I don't know what I was thinking. Of course, Lucille Ball. I love, I love that. That was a great save uh, as well. And, <laughs> and, 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 and men today. Uh, well, I feel very privileged to have worked with Leo. I hope to work with him again. Um, I, I've always thought it must be fun to work with Harvey Keitel. I've never worked with him. Nice. And I've worked with so many of that group. You know, I worked with David Carradine a couple of times and Dennis Hopper and stuff. Yes. You know, so it would be fun to work with Harvey Keitel. And, and obviously Robert De Niro is on that list, I think, for everybody. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm an oldie but goodie kind of girl. So. <laughs> I, I, I can dig it. And, and, and so female. Give me the females again today right now. Oh, gosh, that list is long, because obviously Maggie Smith's at the top, but I would love to work with Jane Fonda. I'd love to work with, uh, I mean, there's a long list of women working today, (laughs) because there's just so many women who have, uh, you know, who I have been paying attention to for, you know, my whole life, who who carried me through men and women who carried me through emotional moments of need, who carried me through uh, moments of wondering whether or not I belonged in this career. And, and some of them are my peers, you know, like people like Laura Dern and uh, Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock, all three of whom are, you know, taller, you know, smarter, funnier kind of women who are, you know, kind of trying to do the same sorts of things I'm doing. And, and so I admired their work and all their contributions to our country's filmography. And then there's people like Glenn Close. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a long list. <laughs> okay. So um, easier one, uh, what's been your fun thing to do away from work since, you know, right now? What have you been doing? Are you Netflixing it? Are you walking? Or what's been your... Well, I will been- tell you what, I, I walk a lot. And here, I live in New Orleans, so... We had to cancel Mardi Gras this year, and the city took that on. I have a blog, so you can see photos of all these because they are so worth looking at. We turned 
the city turned our homes and businesses into parade floats. So basically the whole city was like a drive-through parade. Right. I love that. I forgot and to cover that even. And it was fabulous. So walking became, I always, I walk a lot. I, I walk a lot. But during carnival season this year, it was just such a privilege to walk because everywhere you went, there was just something to either ooh and ah over or to giggle and, and point and laugh over. You know, I mean, it just really, that was fantastic. And what I would normally be doing that time of year is I am a dancer in the parades. And I dance with a group called the Pussyfooters. Who, we're a nonprofit organization of over 100 women over 30 who um, dance in the carnival, you know, Mardi Gras parades, but also in parades year round. And we do over 50 nonprofit events year round. Oh, wow. And culminating in our, most of those nonprofits are others, people's that we're helping them with. Yes. But we also have our annual blush ball, which, um, Every year, we throw this huge Mardi Gras ball called Blush Ball that raises an average of about $30,000 a year for domestic violence. So, wow. Uh, yeah. the, where, 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 where's the website for that? Uh, that's pussyfooters.org. All right. Everybody and they also that. have Facebook and Twitter as well. Everybody and they're fun that. to look at because we wear corsets. <laughs> we wear... We wear head to toe pink, um, pink wigs, pink corsets, pink, and and then we wear white combat boots. That's our marching outfits. Oh, I so love it. that's great. Yeah, exactly. so we're just I'll I'll tell you we are and we're very body positive. So I don't care what kind of body you like, what your cup of tea is. <laughs> there's one of us in there, and we range from 30 years old to 72. I believe is our oldest member. I love and that. And yeah, so I'm really missing strutting down the streets and parading with my pink sisters. But we did get to do um, a Dancing in Place at an event this year called Floats in the Oaks, which was another drive-through parade event where they took one float from each parade crew and created a stationary parade. And there were no people there other than uh, the dance troops. So it was that was a, a strange and fun way to celebrate as well as to get to dance with, with my fellow pussyfooters as cars drove past carrying you know, like clown car amounts of children or, or people over 80. I hadn't seen anybody over 80 in a year. Wow. <laughs> it was so great to see all these people driving by over 80. Right. It was you, wonderful. You know, you have yeah. been such a pleasure. I am so glad that, you know, Barry Rogers from Wayne PR introduced us because, you know, I hope you come back on again because you've been such a wonderful oh, interview. You. And uh, I knew this was going to be a blast. This was like a day off for me. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you've been a fantastic guest. Everybody go check out One Month Out, March the 12th, 2021, on Cineflex DOD. Um, you know, the cast in here is fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, Miss Laura Cayouette, I got the name right, right? Yes, you did. Thank you so much. <laughs> and you go check her out on all the social media everywhere. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're it. so welcome. Thank you. The Lifebox Media Channel, we are out.